Do you want to be doing your business and marketing in a much more heart-centered, feminine way? Are you done with icky sales? Are you done with not understanding exactly who you serve? Are you tired of doing everything yourself? Then this is totally the episode for you. You're listening to The Untapped Podcast, a podcast where you can learn how to tap into your potential and get paid to be you so that you are ultimately doing the work that you love and living life on purpose. It sounds too good to be true. I can tell you it's not. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi entrepreneur, author, speaker, podcaster, obviously, triathlete, and white German Shepherd lover. And I have gone from the corporate world to my own business, where for the last 11 years, I have essentially been learning and educating people how to build an online business they love by monetizing them and what they do best. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these golden nuggets with myself or my amazing and inspiring guests. And make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen into this just search for Untapped with Natalie Sisson. All right, let's dive in. My guest today is Tash Corbin, an actual fellow Kiwi that is a New Zealand entrepreneur who typically lives in Australia. She's a driven online business and marketing coach for heart-centered, soul-driven women in business. And she is just a total business geek, a little bit like me. She has a business degree like me. She loves business and marketing like me. So you can imagine that we were just jamming out in this podcast. But in particular, here's what we go over because we crammed a lot in. We talked about following on from an interview last week with Chris Spurvey, all about how to actually sell in the right way and the ways in which you can show up and feel in alignment and how to catch yourself out when you're not doing it the right way. Awesome chat on that. We also talked about niching. I don't know how many times we all need to remind ourselves about the power of niching and how if you're not doing it, you are killing your chances for growing a really successful business. So Tash revealed some of her hot tips for doing that. And we had a really good conversation about it. Then we moved on to outsourcing and how to stop doing everything yourself. I make a pretty candid admission on this podcast about where I'm at on that and how to hire right and at which times. So I don't think we can discuss this topic enough because it's super important for you as a female entrepreneur to know when you need to hand stuff over and why so that you can stay in your zone of genius. And then we finished off talking about actually her awesome virtual business conference and how she had to shift that online from being a physical one into a virtual one and how that's going and how you can come along to it because I'm actually speaking at it. So we covered off on a lot and there's some really great gems in here. Listen up take notes, and of course, enjoy. Tash Corbin, welcome to the Untapped podcast. Thank you so much, Natalie. Long time <laughs> listener, so it's very exciting to be here. It's super cool to have you on. Um, we had a catch-up call, oh my gosh, a couple of months ago, I think right near the start of the pandemic, and I was just like, I love this lady, she's awesome. And we riff for ages on all things because I think in many ways our philosophies on life and business and our businesses in some way are even quite similar. And I just wanted to put that out there because I love being able to partner with and become friends with and build awesome relationships with people who are doing similar things. And I think yeah. that's really important because especially with women entrepreneurs, I've always wondered why more people don't do that versus, oh, she's doing what I'm doing, so I won't reach out. Yeah, I think there's a balance between it. I think there are certain mm. stages of your business where you kind of need to be blinkered to what people similar to you are doing because you need to really focus inward and 
get clear on what it is that you want to show up and as and what you want to say. But I also am definitely someone who loves to surround myself with other people who are doing similar things to me, who are all contributing to the conversation in the same way and lift each other up by me supporting you and you supporting me. It doesn't actually mean that either of us gets less. It means that both of us get more. And I absolutely adore that spirit of collaboration. But I do understand sometimes there's some times where I don't focus other people doing similar things to me. But overall, I'm just so excited about the partnerships and relationships that I've built doing this business and hearing other people say the same thing. Sometimes you feel like you're shouting into the void on your own if you don't surround yourself with other people who are contributing to the conversation you are. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so, so true. And so many conversations going on right now that need to be contributed to Mm, at the time of this recording. So first off, this was actually meant to be my first question, but hey, I derailed my own plans. How do you get paid to be you? Yeah, so I am a business mentor and I help women mostly in startup, but also with launching as well. And uh, I get paid to turn up, be my open-hearted, emotional self and (laughs) help other women find ways to market and sell that feel really aligned with their feminine strengths and natural abilities rather than getting into that push masculine dynamic that doesn't often work well for us. Mm, I love that because uh, just last week on the podcast, we had Chris Burvey talking about it's time to sell, but in the best possible way. And I'd love to just dive straight into this conversation because as I was saying with him, the people who sell really poorly out there, who pushy and sleazy and pressured in all the wrong ways, because some of those techniques actually are for the better good of people needing to make decisions. But I just feel like they really ruined it for the rest of us who think about enrolling and storytelling and being more ethical in our approach to really listening to what people need and then providing that. So I just love to know your thoughts around what makes for great selling in a way that aligns with your business, because I also don't think it's something we should be scared of. And so many women that I know in particular are, and then it really affects their business. They undercharge, they discount, they give too much away for free. I know you know this as well. So like, how do you go about getting your beautiful clients and customers to really view it as a positive thing and a positive force for good? Yeah. I think we've all been through that experience of being sold to in a way that's a bit gross. So we all know that feeling of buyer's remorse or having purchased something and felt like that the process through which we purchased it wasn't ideal for us or we felt less than because we didn't purchase something. You know, the amount of webinars that I've been to where I felt like I was just a less than human being because it wasn't (laughs) the right time for me to purchase at the end of it. And that is like such a horrible experience for me. And I think that most of us have been through an experience like that. And what happens is that we decide we definitely don't want to be like that and we jump all the way to the other end of the spectrum and decide that we're just going to get our work to speak for itself and we'll just wait for the referrals and we become quite passive in our marketing. And what I do is I help people to see that that is one style of selling and marketing. And there are other styles of selling and marketing that don't require you to go and hide away and just whisper about your work with the world, but that actually can have you speaking with confidence and ease about the work that you do. And you empower people in the sales process 
to make the right decision for them, whether that is to buy from you or not. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the sales strategies and marketing strategies that we have seen and that have been prolific are the ones that disempower people in the sale by saying, look at how bad things are future pace yourself to how bad things will be if you don't change it. Now, look at if you were to work with me and we were to fix that thing right now, what would your future look like? You can't bridge that gap without me. So you need to invest in order to get that gap bridged. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of psychological strategies and processes that are used to really dial up that fear, dial up that pain point and have people actually sitting in trauma when you then swoop in with your sales process to present yourself as the rescuer. And that model of sales for me is not the way that I want to show up in the world. And that is not the way that I want to be sold to. So I'm not going to inflict it upon anyone else. But there are ways for you to be able to sell to people that make them feel really amazing, whether they purchase or not. And that is my golden rule. I want every single person who leaves a webinar of mine to feel like it was a great use of their time. They got great value out of it and they feel better whether they purchase or not. And so I'm not leaving the people who don't purchase feeling like they're in this state of unrest and state of panic that something needs to change, but they can't afford to buy the thing or they can't afford to invest at the next level. And so therefore they are not going to be able to succeed. I do not want to leave anyone feeling that way whatsoever. So that is my, always my goal. And I think that's a great goal to set for any sales process, for any marketing approach, that the people who leave and do not purchase feel just as amazing as the people who leave and have. And that is a big leap for a lot of people to have. And it requires moving from a space of fear that people won't buy because they're feeling good into a space of abundance and understanding that you can leave everyone feeling amazing and still have amazing conversion rates and make great sales. Preach it, sister. I feel like I can. And I mean, that was just awesome. And I I love that you want to and do, I'm sure, leave people feeling just as awesome if they didn't purchase from you and that they've learned something from you. You know, I ran my first webinar in ages last week and I freaking love webinars, but that's a whole other topic. And throughout it, I made sure that the little bit about me was just relevant enough that they knew they could know, like, and trust me. And there was proof that I've done really well with launching courses. And then it was all about sharing great information. And at the end, it was all about enrolling them if it was right for them where they were at right now. And I've even told a few people since they're like, oh, I've got a lot on right now. Is this good for me? And given that I've just been through this period of having a lot on, I was like, you know what? I totally get where you're at. It's totally your choice because Mm -hmm. here's how much time I think you need to invest to get the most out of it. If you don't have that, then don't do it. You know, there's always another time, which is as a business owner, sometimes you just want everybody to be in, you know, like, no, no, yes, now is great. Come join me because I get excited for people and I don't want them to miss out on creating an online course that could be providing them revenue two months from now, right? But it's ultimately, I'm not going to push them into that because it's their choice and they have to be ready. So I really love that you do that. Who else do you feel does this really well outside of yourself and and me (laughs) that you have been a fan of or watching online? I know, you know, we're trying to stay in our own lanes, but who do you think does this really well as a good example? Yeah, I I have someone who's been on your podcast before, Jo Bendel. I love her work. I love the way that she really 
focuses on helping people regardless of whether they purchase from her or not. And she's really passionate about the work that she does. She works in the productivity and going bigger and living bigger kind of space, which is really beautiful. I'm also a big fan of Suze Chadwick. So I actually have her uh, speaking at my conference. just came across her recently. That's, That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she's just so connected in all of her processes. And hand on heart, I haven't bought anything from her yet, but I know I will buy something from that lady because I love and adore her, even though I've never spent a cent with her. So, you know, that's a, a really beautiful sign for me. And I'm always a big fan of Denise Stuffield Thomas. I've known her for a long time and I've seen her sales processes grow and change and evolve and, and move into a more masculine space and then move back into a more empowering space. And I love being able to see that growth process in different people's sales strategies and sales processes. And mm. I myself, I jumped into a specific style of launching, got halfway through my launch and went, oh, this feels so gross. I don't want to do this anymore and needed to rein it all back and really tune back into how I want to be showing up and treating people. And so one thing I will say is also that I don't judge people who experiment with some of those different styles of selling and marketing because at least you're trying something and often it's we don't know that it's not in alignment for us until we've actually experienced it and then something happens and we can feel it in our body or we you know have this experience talking to someone and it doesn't quite feel right and I want to give everyone that permission slip to not get it perfect straight away and not let the fear of doing it slightly wrongly or disempowering someone here or there or doing something wrong stop you from just trying and experimenting and then tuning into how does that feel for you and does this feel like it's an appropriate fit? And so the other thing I would also say is that it's very easy to get lured in sometimes to some of these marketing strategies without actually understanding what you're doing to people because the person who is teaching that strategy may dress it up in uh, feminist or feminine language or they talk about how it might be worth putting someone through the ringer because you know once you work with them, you're going to be able to heal them and deal with it and they're going to be better off if they work with you. And so the process that you take them through to sell them into that can sometimes be justified very easily. So it takes practice and awareness and really questioning how things make you feel and how you want to show up in the world and the impact that you're having on people to sometimes even see that maybe that particular strategy or tactic is out of alignment. Yeah, I would so agree with you there. And I love the people that you pointed out. I also agree. It's been really good to see Denise. And I think when she was heavily, heavily, and she's a big proponent and advocate for the product launch formula. And I've used that as well. And I feel like when you actually go your own path using bits and pieces of what has worked for others, but you create your own path out of it, it's way better because I've done the exact PLF method before. And it just it kind of one time it worked really well, the other time it bombed. And the time that it bombed was when I wasn't in alignment with it and it felt icky to me. And mm. I was trying my best to like put me back into it and it just felt wrong. And it was a, yeah. a shocker. <laughs> so happy to admit that. But I also love what you said there is like no judgment and you've got to try what works for you, but you will know when you're out of alignment, it just won't feel good. And yeah. when you did that in your launch, were you like partway through this particular launch? And so yeah. <laughs> what did you do to adjust? I'm just really curious for people listening to show you have the permission to change things if you don't like how it is. 
Yeah. So I ended up going back to my tried and true method of launching, which is webinar-based launching for the second half of that launch. Mm -hmm. And some of the messaging that I used in my emails and some of the strategies that I used, I just shut it all down. And there were three or four people who had reached out to me to express that they were feeling really upset that they couldn't join and they were worried and what should they do and where is the book that they could do or something that they could do. And I realized I was making people feel like they couldn't be successful without me. And that was the thing that really struck a chord with me. Mm -hmm. So for those four people who reached out to me, I actually did free one-to-one coaching sessions with them for 30 minutes to help them work out what their next steps were and put them back into a space of empowerment so that they felt like they were confident that they knew what to do moving forward and that they weren't feeling in that really panic state about what was happening. So it was a huge shift. My second half of my launch ended up being more successful than the first anyway. So it was a huge lesson learned. But it did require a lot of work from myself and my beautiful team, of course, uh, getting everything back to the way that we'd done it previously and just letting go of that fear. And to be honest with you, it was because I had been through the sales process for this particular style of launching. And in that launch process, I saw how amazing the results were and I was triggered into a space of fear of, oh my gosh, if I don't do it like this, I'm not going to get the conversion rates. I'm not going to get the sales. I'm not. And at this point in time, I was making 400,000 a year in my business. It wasn't like I was making nothing in my business. I was already quite successful with my launches, but I am very easily NLP'd and I'm very susceptible (laughs) to those kinds of suggestions and it got to me. And so I invested I used that launch strategy and it was all based out of fear. And so I'm so glad, one, for the people who reached out and expressed what was going on for them, and two, that I was able to really follow my gut instinct in that moment and pivot and move the launch back into alignment with the way that I wanted to be treating people. Thanks so much for sharing that, Tash, and great like acknowledging and observing in that moment because sometimes you're so caught up and you're like, well, no, this is the path that I said I'd do and I'm committed to it now and I've put heaps behind it, maybe spent a ton. It's really good to acknowledge that in the moment. Go, hang on a minute. I have a choice here. This isn't feeling good. Um, I had never had someone before that launch reach out to me and express so much distress that they were going to fail. I had never had someone go through something free of mine and end up feeling like they were worse off than when they started the free thing. And that was a huge alarm Mm. bell for me to have those messages come through. And I am so grateful to pass Tash for picking up on it in the moment as well, because (laughs) there have been times where I may have been a little slower to respond to those things, but it Mm. was just so clear to me that something was off. Yeah. Yeah, I often find that, you know, your people will tell you when you're getting out of line. And I I just want to make a caveat there because I had an email just last week where somebody was a little triggered by my email and they really rated me and the person I was talking about and this testimonial that they had given me freely. And they said, but we all know they're successful, et cetera. So I feel like this one's not really realistic. And they actually said in the email, I expect better from you. And I, I took a moment and I was like, ooh, that's pretty harsh words. So I took a moment and I remember going back to them and just saying, 
I just was really straight up fact. I was like, this is surprising to get this from you, but here's the real deal. This person genuinely put work into the Launch Your Damn Course Accelerator. They got these amazing results because they did the work and they showed up. I was like, I'll have you know also that the email list was small. They hadn't done a lot of marketing on this. And when they first launched, they screwed it up and they freely admitted that. They went back and pivoted and changed it. And that was huge. Like that took a lot of guts and courage. And I was like, so they fully deserve this. And this is, I, I'm really proud of them. And then I think I actually said, and I'm happy to say, I said, I think I expect better than better from you than to assume you know what's happening behind the scenes in the real deal. And they were so good about it in the email back. And she said, yeah, I think I've been triggered by this. You're entirely right. It was just a really beautiful, it ended up being a really beautiful email conversation. And the reason why I say that is I think as business owners, it's also up to us to listen to what our audience are saying and respect whether we have actually overstepped the mark or been out of alignment or done something we don't normally do, or whether we are shining a light on them and it's triggering them and it's something they need to deal with. And maybe we can help them with that, or maybe it's for them to go on that journey. So yeah, it was just really, I just love the lessons you learn all the freaking time running a business. (laughs) which leads me into businesses where people are attempting to serve all the people. Yeah. I think we've all been there before and this is one of your superpowers. So I wanted to touch on it. I feel you can't touch on the subject of niching down or just niching in general enough because I often need that lesson. I constantly go expand and then I have to come back to who are my people that I truly know I can help the most and it's not like you're leaving the other people behind. It's just that if you help these people, they're able to help others. And then it's a beautiful thing. So do you want to talk about maybe what you love about niching and or why you think people just don't do a very good job of this? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think it's great to have a shared definition of what a niche is because there's a lot of misinformation out there about what niche actually involves. And some people think that their niche is that they do Instagram marketing. It's actually the service that they do. Or some people talk about their modality. I'm a Reiki healer or whatever it might be. But actually your niche is the specific group of people you focus on when you market your products and services. So it's not actually who you focus on when you deliver because you can deliver to everyone. So many people have amazing modalities and skill sets and they could be helping everyone. But when it comes to proactively marketing your products and services, particularly in the online space, we need to be very niched and very specific about who that is for, because that is what creates the foundation for deeply resonant messaging and being able to articulate your value proposition in a tangible way for your audience. So when it comes to niching, I do think it is really critical for proactive marketing strategies. And a lot of people's niche resistance comes from things that they've experienced in the past or things that they see of other people. So they might say, well, I've got this far without getting specific. I work with men and women and I work with people from all different spaces, whether they have a job or they're in entrepreneurs or, you know, they're working with all different people. And so I just want to keep working with all of those people. But for most businesses, they got to that level of business with no niche because it's the very early, not necessarily as proactive online stages of business. So if you think about when you're first starting, it's your immediate network and their immediate network that are following you. Mm -hmm. You're not investing in significant advertising. You're not going out there and trying to proactively seek out your ideal client through proactive, active marketing strategies. And so therefore, 
you are able to say when people come to you, can you help me? Yes, I can help you. Can you help me? Yes, I can help you. And so you've actually been quite passive in that phase of your marketing approach. And when it comes to becoming more proactive and getting out there and marketing online, if people don't see themselves reflected in your copy and your messaging, you will not stop them from scrolling. And I think the best way to give an example of this is to think about the different ads you might see, whether they are niched and unniched. So an example I like to use is let's say you have a healing modality and you specialize in working with pain. You can heal pain in anyone. It doesn't matter what the origins are. It doesn't matter who the service is. So you would be very tempted to say my niche is pain, but actually that's not a niche because it's not actually a specific group of people. And if you were to say, my niche is anyone in pain, it's a very broad niche. So let's say you have two ads that you could run. One is unniched and one is niched. The unniched one says, are you experiencing any pain using my beautiful modality? I can heal that for you. Here's some information about my services. The niched one, let's say the niche you choose is you want to work with female athletes, who prefer natural remedies and they want to train more, but they're in pain. Then think about the ad copy you would write for that ad, right? You want to train harder, but those knees are killing you. I can help you with that pain and I specialize in working with athletes. Now think about yourself as an athlete seeing those two ads. Which one is going to stop you scrolling? It's the one that's hyper-specific. Now think about you being a mum with a sore back or you're someone who's got painful feet, or you've got a sore shoulder from RSI at work. Think about the ad that says, got any pain, I can help you. Not one of those people will be stopping their scrolling by looking at that generic ad because it doesn't speak to who they are and their lived experience. It simply says, I fix all pain. Mm -hmm. In addition to all of that, if you think about the elite athlete example, Who would the elite athlete pay more to? The person who says, I heal all pain, or the person who says, I specialize in working with athletes? And who would get the most referrals? The person who says, I can heal all pain, or the person who works specifically with athletes? Every athlete who goes to that person will be telling other athletes about their experience. Mm -hmm. And so niching is actually one of the very specific ways and practical ways that you can make your messaging easier You can make the way you craft your offers easier and you make your marketing easier. And yet it's one of the most resisted parts of online business and marketing. Yeah, it is. And I'll put my hand up that I only niche this year to just serve women entrepreneurs and within that subset of women entrepreneurs. I mean, that's taken me years because I like all people, but I just realized that, you know, 80 or 90% of my audience was women and women in a specific stage of their business, you know, the kind of the early years, but wanting to grow and up-level their mindset, et cetera. And I was just like, but all my content is not aimed at them. And some of it is, some of it's not. Some of my marketing messages are, some of them not. And so that's why I was getting such an inconsistent, I guess, I mean, still beautiful people coming in, but not these absolute ideal clients that I wanted because I hadn't been super, super clear on that, who they were and what they struggled with. Yeah. So, you know, I love that you just said that, but it is one of the hardest lessons because in the past I have done that and it's been like a miracle. It's like, oh, the absolute perfect people that I want to help are turning up in droves. This is awesome. And the minute you go and expand that or go a bit wider and maybe I can help more, you dilute everything that you do. 
Yeah. And as someone who listens to your podcast, I know that when you were talking about suitcase entrepreneur and digital nomads, that's when I first discovered you because I was living mobile and it was really easy for me to tell other digital nomads about you because I knew exactly what it was that you did. And then when you went through that period of, you know, finding new things and exploring new things, I still listened along to the podcast, but I didn't refer your podcast to anyone else because I wasn't 100% clear on what the value proposition was for them. And now that you've crafted your new mission to help women go to that 10-figure month space, when I am talking to people who are on the precipice of that or who are nudging up to that and wanting to do that, I know to refer them through to your podcast. So it also makes it easier for people to tell other people about you when they know, yes, this is for you and no, this isn't for you. The one thing we don't want to do for our friends is waste their time. And so I can't send my friends to that pain person if I don't know they specifically will help my friend and not waste their time and money. I can't refer people through to podcasts and content if I don't have 100% confidence that it's going to give them the value and it's going to be a great return on investment for their time. So it's an amazing opportunity for us to review that and reflect because I've been listening to your podcast for so long. Uh, And I just thought about that as you were saying, right? Like that's been my experience of your podcast as well. And it's so amazing to see that journey. And again, it's all about the experimentation and the practice. And it's totally okay to have some times where you're feeling unniched and you're exploring things, but we need to make sure that when you are looking to have that expansive growth in your business, that the niche gets hyper narrow and specific. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was a perfect example actually, because I think I was talking about the quest for freedom, but that was a total exploratory phase for me where freedom had always been my highest value. I was still trying to find my new route after the suitcase entrepreneur and I was playing around. So thank you for sticking with me through it. And it was still good episodes, right? Like interesting for me. But, but not, as you said, not super helpful to a specific person in business, maybe somebody who was thinking more about their freedom and, and how that was showing up in their world and what they wanted to do with it. Great. But there was also yep. no offers attached or nothing like there was no business yep. built behind it. So that was, um, that's a really, really great example. So we're talking about growth and expansion in a business. Cause I feel like once you do hit your niche and it, I've been seeing it, even in the last three to four months, things just start to go boom, it's awesome. And they clearly have for you and you know your niche really well. I'd love to talk about at what time is it great to start getting some help because outsourcing and and building a great team is one of my favorite topics. And I feel like I've done it super well in some instances and really poorly in others. And I, I think that most entrepreneurs have this kind of experience. I don't know anybody who's not made a shitty hire or just done it all wrong and then hopefully learn from it. But you seem to have a great team right now. I'm sure there's been times and it hasn't. At which point do you advise your clients and people to actually start hiring? Because I know my answer to that, but I'd love to know yours. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is if you outsource your hot mess, you just put that hot mess in other people's hands. And so let's just sit with that one for a minute. I just, I literally (laughs) visualized the hot mess being delegated to more hot mess. Perfect. Great example. (laughs) And if you are running your business in a way that is haphazard and scattered and you don't know what is important, it is really hard for your team to be congruent and support you in a way that's going to be valuable to you. And I know for most of the issues that I've had with team, 
it has come down to the way that I've been showing up in my business. And they have been a beautiful mirror to reflect back at me exactly how unclear I was on what I was doing or exactly how much I was overloading myself and trying to carry a mental burden that I did not have the capacity to carry. And so I take full responsibility for any of the team issues I've ever had in my business because I know that the buck stops with me. And a lot of the times I was just handing them a tangled mess and asking them to try and figure it out. And they couldn't figure it out because they didn't understand what my priorities were and they couldn't make decisions for me. And so when it comes to making decisions for hires and outsourcing, the first thing I would say is check in with yourself what is it that you want someone to solve? And if what you want someone to solve for you is the tangle, then don't hire someone for VA-based hours where they're going to need very clearly sorted Lego blocks all in color coding <laughs> in order to be able to give you the service that you require. And if you have the box of Legos that needs to be organized and systemized, hire someone for that first. So a lot of my VA-level hires have been really difficult for me to onboard and manage because I'm not working in a systemized way. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to use people power and cheap hours to try and get things organized and sorted out and sometimes even circumvent the messiness by just saying, oh, well, we'll just have this manual workaround and I'll just pay someone to do that manual workaround. And I've had two instances where the people I've been paying to do the messy manual workarounds have disappeared and left my business suddenly. And I don't know what that manual messy workaround was. And we had to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And it was a forced systemization. It was a forced organizing myself. So when it comes to finding the right time to hire, I think always hire early, hire as early as possible. But one of the reasons why I think that's important is because it forces you to think about your business through the lens of managing others and helping other people to understand that business as quickly and effectively as possible. And so I, from the very start of my business, had a virtual assistant and that was such a blessing for me because from the very start, I was thinking about what is the best use of my time and what is the best use of of their time. And it was back before VA on demand type services existed back in my day when I started my business. Um, so <laughs> you had when, Kat? Pardon? when did you start your business? 2013. Okay. Yeah. So in 2013, I started my business. Fiverr was just coming onto the market, but didn't have a lot of VA services on it. And so the VA agencies that we were mostly recommended, you had to commit to a number of hours per week. Mm. So I was paying my VA, Honey was her name. I was paying her 20 hours a week from the get-go. And if I wasn't organized enough to get her those hours, I just paid her to sit and wait for me. Mm. And so that was a really good discipline for me <laughs> and a discipline builder for me in my business to have someone in my business waiting for me and making myself get really organized. It also meant though, that for my next hire, I had to really sit back and reflect and see that a lot of the tasks that I had my VA doing were simply doing them because I was trying to keep them busy. Mm -hmm. And what that then resulted in was me trying to maintain that level of busyness and 80% of the tasks that were being done were not important and could have been done by a machine or a system or an automation. And so I really needed to reflect and consider, like, is this actually quality, high importance work that I'm getting done or am I just keeping someone busy? And so that was a big lesson for me as well. And so I would say 
there are amazing women, a lot of women that I know who do system stuff are actually New Zealand based, go the Kiwis. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of women <laughs> who actually specialize in helping you get ready for a VA, in actually getting out of your brain and onto paper, what are the priorities in your business? What are the systems and structures that need to be implemented? What can be done by a system and doesn't need any human interaction, therefore doesn't open itself up to human error? And then what is left and what is the priority for someone who would come in and support you? And what are the steps that they need to undertake in order to get those tasks done? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's also about making sure that you're hiring for the right skill set not just assuming that all VAs are going to organize you. A lot of VAs want to work with you as an organized person. They'll do the tasks, but they don't necessarily do the organizing or the value add or the systems improvement or the process improvement. And so it's really important that you are clear on what it is that you're looking for and that you hire appropriately for where you're at in terms of the hot mess, the tangle ball of wool, the crazy Lego situation, whatever it might be, and that you really get your business working effectively. And I think also for me, I have grown into working in a more systemized way as well. And I've become more organized and I have found freedom in the structures and habits and disciplines that I've created in my business as well. Yeah. Love it. I just put out a quote last week, constraints give you freedom because they do. And actually, as I was listening to you, because I wholeheartedly agree on all of your points, I'd like to make a note here that you need to then follow your own systems. Yeah. I think that is holding again, my hand up is I'm actually a pretty systemized, organized person, but where I fall down is I then try to run ahead of all my systems and just do things that I want in the moment. And everybody has to follow along with me. And I know it's probably often a pain in the ass to work with, unless somebody likes that kind of fly by the seat of your pants, we got this, we're going now. And, and yeah. normally there's a whole lot of framework and structure and systems and SOPs behind that. Yeah. But um, it is something that I'm actively working on myself because if I stick with what we've done well and what works and I give people the space and time and we're all organized up front, we don't need that. Um, excitement. We don't need to add the roller coaster ride to what could be a really nice river cruise. We go yeah. for one a bit of analogy. So there's, I'm just pointing that out. There's something that I use and I call it my toy box, right? So if you imagine the fun extra things that you want to do, those creative ideas, those, you know, brilliant in the moment flashes of genius. I literally have a file in my computer called my toy box. And the rule is once your tasks are done from the structured part, you get to play in the toy box and you get to play with one toy at a time. So I, because I've created that freedom for myself, when I open that toy box, I'm not doing it through the lens of, oh, I haven't done that for this week or whatever, but I just really want to play over here. And then I'm playing, but with this guilt and this heaviness and these other feelings that aren't necessarily conducive to creativity and really making great decisions. And I know the exact difference between when I'm playing the toy box as a procrastination strategy because I don't want to do my day-to-day stuff and when I'm playing in the toy box because it's my freedom time and I really am allowed to sink into that creativity without guilt, without worry that something's not being done, without feeling like, oh, what if the newsletter doesn't get out this week or whatever it might be, 
I play in that toy box and I have the time of my life. It is the reward for me following those systems and structures. Mm. And the other thing I would also say is that I've got to the point in my business now where the business as usual stuff runs like clockwork without me. And so I am stepping into a new space of having that freedom of most of my week is playing in the toy box. It is <laughs> throwing fun projects at my team going, hey, this is this extra thing that I've come up with. And I can do that knowing that they have the capacity for that. I can do that mm-hmm. knowing that at least business as usual is taken care of. And I always say that they're like the duck's legs running around behind the scenes doing all those things. And my job is to be the top part, the gliding along on the surface, showing up, doing Facebook lives, doing podcast interviews like this. It's not my job. And that means that I invest a lot in my team. It means that I invest in different levels of team management. I have a manager. I have a customer service person. I have a virtual assistant. I have a website person. I have an ads manager. So I do have you know, a good mixed team that I invest money into, but that's the kind of business that I want to run. I don't want to run a business where I need to show up and spend three hours a day typing at the keyboard, organizing things. That's not my zone of genius. That's not the work that lights me up. The work that lights me up is the public facing and customer facing time. It's being of service to my clients. So, you know, if that's the type of business that you want to run, you have a responsibility to get to the level of financial stability where you can afford to hire the team to do all of those things for you. And that then creates this amazing magnetism for you because you're showing up in a way that's really amazing. And people are like, I want what she's having and look at how much (laughs) fun she's having and look how amazing her team are. And so it just creates this amazing snowball for you. But it starts with, unfortunately, getting that ball of wool and untangling it and getting help with untangling it so that your business makes sense to other people without you having to spend four and a half hours explaining it and trying to remember all of the things that go into you creating that business momentum and success. Love it, Tash. And I just love that also hopefully people who are listening are like, ah, yeah, because you've got to appreciate you can't do all the things in your business. You're not in the zone of genius in every single area. And so we're not going to go into first hires and stuff today, but do start to think about who would be the best possible hire to help you right now. Because if you're the creative, you probably need the detailed focus system person. If you're too detailed and systems focused, you probably need somebody in the marketing visionary space. And it's, you know, start with one person and slowly bit by bit, you can build up until you're in that place of playing in your play box all the time, Mm. which is awesome. Love it. One more thing before we sort of close off, even though I could talk to you for hours, but we'll have you back. So don't worry, is you are in the process of, I think, pulling one of your most fun things out of the playbooks, which is a virtual conference right now. Yes. yes. Partly come out of necessity, right? Because you often hold your own conferences. So this one is fully moved online. It's awesome. And I'm excited to be speaking at it. But do you want to talk a little bit about it and share it with people? But also, is that one of your playbox moments? Like, Team, yeah. this has done this before, but let's make it even more amazing because we have the new challenge of running it all online. Yeah, well, I think this one, it's not necessarily a toy box thing because this is Sorry, actually the box, dates that box. we had. That's okay. We ha- This is the dates that we had scheduled for an in-person event. So we were supposed to be going to Noosa and having an in-person event on the 11th of June. And in March, very early in the COVID space, I just could see the writing on the wall And so we made sure that we moved that as quickly as possible to, we have a lot of internationals who come along to that conference. 
So we moved that very quickly. And I felt like we've got the dates locked in. We've all got it in our calendars. Let's have some fun and do this as an online conference. But the first conference was definitely a toy box thing. And it was actually 2015. I was in a Facebook group and they had a theme day around big visions. And I had found this amazing conference venue in Hawaii and I was obsessed with it. I did the virtual tours and all sorts of things. And I could just imagine at that stage, my Facebook community had 10,000 women in it or just over. And I could just imagine a thousand of us in this room meeting each other and learning about business. And so I just shared this as some pie in the sky dream of like, imagine us all getting together, having a conference. And very quickly, the community demanded that I organize it. They just would not let the idea go. And I had so many people writing to me saying, you need to do this. You need to let us get together. You have to put something on. And so the conference has been running since 2017. The first one made a $26,000 loss. So for anyone who looks at conferences from the outside and goes, oh, that looks so easy. And oh, you make so much money. Let's just be 100% hand on heart <laughs> honest about this thing. So, uh, but my business, I was so lucky. My business could afford it. My business could absolutely handle it. And particularly being in Australia, it's really hard to get high quality online, in-person conference events. And a lot of the events that you go to, the speakers have paid to be on the stage. So there's a lot of selling from the stage, run to the back of the room. Uh, so gross. And <laughs> yeah, I just didn't enjoy the experience of being in the room knowing that speaker who's standing on stage right now sees me as a lead. They're not here to bring their best to the table in order to really deliver value to me right now. They're there to bring their best to the table so that they can increase the chances that I buy something from them right now. And it just felt so incongruent that I had was going to this event and then being sold to for the entire day. So there were a lot of events that were like that in Australia. Every com- it felt like every conference I was going to felt that way. Uh, so I decided I was going to create something completely different. So we have no selling from the stage at that event and we pay the speakers and it is such an amazing, beautiful, heartfelt event. So yeah, the decision to take it online was pretty much a no-brainer for me because we had the space booked in terms of the time in the calendar. and. I live in a virtual world. I live in an online world. I run webinars consistently. I've run summits before. So it felt like something that I could do really easily to still allow people to have that experience of feeling that connection with community and learning from amazing speakers and not be sold to even from a virtual stage. So that is why uh, we did that with virtual conference. And the other thing I would say is that one of the biggest things for me as an extrovert is that I don't see the biggest, most valuable part of going to a conference as what I learned from the people on stage. Yeah, that's lovely. And it's an amazing reason for us all to be in the same room, but it's the conversations around the table. It's the people that I meet. Mm -hmm. It's the people that I get to speak with. It's being able to have a conversation with a speaker after they've presented. Those types of things are really where the value is for me in in in-person events. So I've made it my mission to create as many spaces and structured activities and things that we can do at the virtual conference to create that same amazing feeling. So we've got spotlights for the people who are actually attending and we've got structured networking things and we've got a Facebook community. So I'm really excited. There's definitely a lot of toy box stuff in that for me because I've not seen that 
facilitated particularly well with online events before. So I'm really challenging myself to come with some out of the box new ways of helping people feel like they're really seen and heard as an attendee at a virtual event. They're not just typing into the little comments box and that's all we ever see of them. So it's going to be really fun and interesting and I'm really excited to see how it all pans out. Me too. So um, let's just finish up then with you telling people where they can grab a ticket to that virtual conference and come along. Yeah. So if you come to our Facebook page is probably the best way to find out more. It's facebook.com forward slash lady posse conference. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, our community, the heart centered soul driven entrepreneurs group, we call ourselves the lady posse. So that's where this conference has come from. All the details are there. We can pop the links into the show notes and it's happening from the 11th to the 14th of June, 2020. And we've rescheduled our in-person event to March, 2021. And it's going to be in Noosa in Queensland so all of the information will be over on the Facebook page can I come to that one too yeah of course okay, cool. Noosa right. in March um, it's going to be so good and like most Australians by that point in time are like oh no it's getting too cold to swim but all the Kiwis are always in the pool so it's super fun to awesome. see different people's interpretation of what warm and cold are mm-hmm. and this is always beautiful I haven't been there for way too long that's awesome Taj I'll also put them in the show notes and that's why we made this interview drop at this time so hopefully you can still come along otherwise where's the best place to find out more about you and just say thanks so much for all the awesome knowledge bombs in this podcast Um, My website is tashcorbin.com and on there you'll find links over to my socials and ways to get in touch with me. I answer emails. I read emails. I'm very connected to the community. So make sure that you come along and say hi and hopefully you'll get some super duper freebie value from the website depending on what stage of business you're at. Yeah, totally. And I love that you answer your emails. I had something the other day saying, is this really you? I just, I just thought that was so gorgeous. It's like, of course it's me. Thank you so much, Tash. This has been a blast. Thanks, Matt. So this is episode 69 of the Untapped podcast. And if you've been enjoying it and you want to see the show notes, we want to get the link to Tasha's virtual conference, find out more about the resources I put into the show notes, please come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Know that you can always go to that link. All the episodes are on that page and this will be the most recent one if you're listening to this when it's been done. Would love for you to do that. Also, please come across and hit me up on Instagram at nataliesisson, DM me, leave a message because we share the podcast every single week on there and I would love for you to come across and actually comment on what you learned about this guest, about our discussion, what actions you've taken for yourself, what insights you got. It really means a lot to me. And if you want to go one step further, a good old review on iTunes just seems to be the best way to get this podcast out into the hands of thousands of people. And by the way, I just want to let you know that the growth of this podcast has been rising and rising this year. And I truly feel that's because as I better understood my niche and the women that I want to serve, it's starting to attract more of the right people listening to it. And obviously you're sharing it, people are reviewing it. So it's pretty awesome. And we've finally smashed the 10,000 downloads a month. It's just on the up and up. So I'm really excited about that. Please keep it coming, share the link with your friends, tell them about the untapped podcast and to look it up, leave a review on iTunes. All of these things mean the world to me as a content creator who puts in hours every week to bring you great guests, great conversations, and the real awesome truths about building a successful business, getting paid to be you and living a lifestyle that you love. So this week, I want you to, as always, tap into your potential, get paid to be you, make an impact and have a laugh. Love you.